Well, thank you, Joe. I just want to uh, make a couple more comments about the Thrive Discipleship Curriculum. This is starting in, well, this next month, which is tomorrow. Uh, the life groups, all the life groups are going to be uh, studying this discipleship curriculum. It's, this is a handbook for Christian growth. Jim Hall uh, was here with us a couple times in January, and he's written this curriculum. It's an excellent uh, Excellent discipleship curriculum. I, everybody here will learn something from this curriculum. Uh, there's things for everyone. We encourage you to uh, participate in a life group in order to take advantage of this curriculum. There will be a, a book for you to go through and uh, actually a little homework. Right, three cheers for homework. Okay. It's kind of, you know, half-hearted, but uh, it's good because you learn something from homework. There's a reason that schools give students homework. And uh, actually, we don't have any tests, okay? So just homework. But we encourage you to get involved in a life group. The life groups are listed in your uh, program, and we encourage you to go to one and begin as they begin this curriculum in February. If you have any questions, uh, talk to me about it. Like, they, like Joe said, there's a sample Copy the curriculum over there on the table between the two doors. Well, today we're concluding a message series which we've called Believe for Greater Things. In 2016, finally figured out to put my checks with a 16, not a 15. In 2016, we want to believe God for greater things in our lives and in our church than we saw in 2015. Greater things than we've seen in the past. We mustn't be satisfied with just plugging along in comfortable ruts, doing the same things that we've done before and being content and satisfied. God wants us to accept new challenges. He wants us to experience new victories for Him in this new year in 2016. Now remember, if you want to experience greater things in your life in this year than you have in the past... You must change. If you continue to do exactly the same things you did in the past, you're not going to experience greater things in the future. So are you ready for some change? Okay. I didn't say hope and change. I just said change. All right. Let's leave that alone and move on. Today, uh, my message is entitled, How to Lead Someone to Jesus. How to Lead Someone to Jesus. How many believers here today would like to lead someone to Jesus in 2016? It would be an awesome experience, wouldn't it? It would be, for many of us, a greater thing than we've experienced in 2015. But let's not be sad about what happened in 2015. Let's look for greater things in 2016. Some may wonder, well, I don't know if I have the ability to lead someone to Jesus. I don't know if I know how to do it. Others may not be so sure they want to lead someone to Jesus. I hope that's not the case. And even others may question whether they need to lead others to Jesus. Isn't that why we pay pastors and evangelists? Isn't that what they're supposed to do? Well, let's look again at the Great Commission. We've been looking at the Great Commission a great deal here. Uh, it's a very, very important command that Jesus gave to his disciples right before he left the earth. It's his Final, some of his final parting words. Very, very important. And as I was preparing the message for today, I 
I saw something in these verses that I, I'd never really noticed before. And so I want to share that with you. Let's look at these verses again. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and in earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so Jesus, who is he talking to? He was talking to his disciples at that time. He was commanding his disciples to go and make disciples. To make a disciple is the same thing as, as leading people to follow Jesus. Now a common but wrong argument is that the things Jesus commanded his disciples do not apply to us. How many have heard that? Well, that was just the twelve. You know, I'm not an apostle. I couldn't possibly do the same things that the, that the disciples, immediate disciples of Jesus did. Because we're not part of the original 12 disciples. But let's look at this verse a little more closely. The command of Jesus to his disciples at that time was to make disciples, to baptize them. And let's look at that last phrase. To teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And so Jesus was commanding the original disciples to teach the new disciples that they made. To obey everything that Jesus commanded the original disciples. And what were the new disciples to do? They were in turn to make further new disciples who they would teach to obey everything that Jesus had commanded the original disciples. And so if you follow the logic here, the Great Commission clearly shows that everything Jesus commanded the original disciples is also commanded to us because it went down this chain. Each disciple taught the other ones to obey the same things that Jesus commanded the original disciples. And that includes... Jesus' command, Jesus' imperative to go and make disciples. You're all kind of looking at me with a blank stare. Think about it, okay? It's a very, very profound insight there. And uh, you'll get it if you look at it. I hadn't seen it, but it is, it is truly there. If you teach, the original disciples were to teach their new disciples, the new people they want to the Lord to obey everything that Jesus had commanded them, then the commands to the original disciples apply to all the disciples that go down through history to the chain. They apply to us as well. Okay, one amen. Any other amens? Okay, one person got it. The light bulb went on. So we will keep working. But the implication, the conclusion is that every believer has a responsibility and a privilege to lead other people to become disciples of Jesus. I'd like us to watch a short video clip called Change the Story about the responsibility and privilege we have as disciples of Jesus. So God wants us to make a difference, to change the stories of the people around us, the stories of the people that God has put into our lives, to bring Jesus and his answers to the struggles and the questions of the people around us. And that's one of the reasons we've made the plus one challenge a goal for each of us this year. We've talked about this. Maybe not everybody's heard it. The plus one challenge is to ask God to help you add at least one person to our church this year. Let me repeat that. Asking God to help you to add at least one new person to our church in 2016. And for 
most of us, that would be a greater thing than we've done in 2015. The plus one challenge is simply obeying the Great Commission. The plus one challenge is simply going and making disciples. Now, to encourage us in that, I would like us to have plus one challenge stories every Sunday. What's a plus one challenge story? It's a story of how you are changing in obeying God to reach out to others. Doesn't mean that you've led somebody to the Lord necessarily. It doesn't mean that you brought somebody to church last Sunday. It is something that you've done differently. Let me give you an example from my own life. I work out at a gym most mornings, not Sunday morning, but most mornings uh, on a good week. And in the past, I really, I'll be honest, I didn't pay much attention to the people around me. I just went in and did my thing. I ran or I lifted weights or I swam. And I just was oblivious to everybody around me. But after reading this book sent to your neighbors, and we still have copies over there on the table, I'd encourage you to read it, pick it up and read it if you haven't already. I, I was motivated to begin to notice the people around me. And I began to talk to them. And the first step for me was to get to know their names. You know, if you don't know somebody's name, you really don't care much about them, do you? And so I began to get their names. There were lifeguards that I'd seen for literally years, and I didn't know their names. I saw them two, three times a week. Now I know it's Ellen and Diane. And I can pray for them. And they know my name now, too, which they didn't know for all of those years. I got to know a swimmer named Roy, and Roy's passion in life is pickleball. Never heard of that? Okay, it's it's supposed to be a big thing these days. He plays pickleball. And I could go on. There's a runner named Shauna, and she has three children, and she just did a marathon. And there are others. Now, I haven't invited any of those people to church yet. I haven't got into any deep spiritual conversations with them. But I know their names, and they know my name. And the next time I see them, we say hi, and we talk a little bit. And so we're building relationship there that I'm praying will build into something for the kingdom. And I'm praying for each one. I have them in a list now. I have names, and I'm praying for those people. And so... That's just a a small example of a type of story. It's a true story that you could tell. What is God doing in your life? What are you doing differently? What are you doing to fulfill the plus one challenge to reach out to those around you? And so as you follow God's leading, let me know of some of your stories. You can write them out. Uh, You can tell, tell them up front here. Or if you're a little bit bashful, I can read them for you. Either way... Something different that you're doing this year that you didn't do last year. I believe we should have a story every Sunday. If each of us is reaching out to those around us, praying and asking God for direction and working on that plus one challenge. Matthew 9, verse 38 says, Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So that's a command of Jesus. We're to pray that God would send out more workers into the harvest field. This passage speaks of the lack of workers seeking to win people for Jesus, seeking to make disciples. And so we are to pray. And obviously, if we are to pray, 
for more workers in the harvest field, what does that mean about us? Well, we need to be a worker in the harvest field. It's work. It's something that God calls us to do. So let's look to God's Word for a little more help on the topic this morning of how to lead someone to Jesus. What are the benefits of following Jesus? In order for a person to have a desire to follow Jesus, they must be able to see the benefits of following Jesus. I mean, the question they ask is, why should I follow Jesus? Why should I go out of my way? Why should I go to church? I mean, what's, what's in it for me? That's how people think. I would rather sleep in on Sunday mornings. I would rather do my own thing. I really have other things I'd rather do than read the Bible. What is the benefit? Well, the benefits of a relationship with Jesus, of following Jesus, are tied up in that it is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, the creator of the universe. Romans 8, 15, and 16 says, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. Of course, he's writing to believers. But you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And so when a person makes a decision to follow Jesus, they become a child of God. Now, now we say that kind of flippantly, but... That's incredible. They become a child of God. Of course, the common knowledge, common mistaken understanding that we're all children of God. And there's a certain sense. God created everyone. But the Bible uses this in a different way. When you become a believer, you become a child of God. You become part of God's family in a special way. People who are unbelievers aren't part of God's family. God wants them to become part of his family, but they're not part until they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And so when you become a child of God, God becomes your father. And you can talk to him on a personal level. You can have a relationship with God. You don't need to fear anything any longer. You don't need to worry about anything because your heavenly father will take care of you. And so I'd like us to look at three benefits, specific benefits of becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. What does God offer everyone in the world for becoming uh, a child of God? Well, God offers, first of all, forgiveness. God offers to forgive our disobedience. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And so... Our disobedience or our sin has separated us from a relationship with God. And ultimately, that disobedience, even one little disobedience, will result in us spending eternity in a place apart from hell, a place called hell, a place of eternal torment that goes on forever and ever. Now, people don't like the concept of hell. They try to explain it away. Jesus talked more about hell than he talked about heaven. It's a very real place. It's where people go who do not believe in Jesus. But God loved people so much that he sent Jesus to make possible for our sins to be forgiven. That we could be forgiven for our disobedience. And so Jesus took the punishment that our sins deserved. The death, the eternal torment that we deserved, he took upon himself on the cross. And the gift of God that we have is the gift of eternal life 
life with God that's going to last forever. It begins in this life and continues throughout eternity. And every person here on this earth, the Bible tells us, as we'll see, everybody has sinned. And so everybody is plagued with guilt and condemnation over their sins. Now, some people are more hardened, may not feel it as, as others, but every person deep down has guilt for the sins that they've committed, shame for the sins they've committed, whether they talk about it or not. And so God offers forgiveness for those sins. No matter how bad the sin, there's no sin that's too great that God cannot and will not forgive. And when we accept his forgiveness, he restores a relationship with God. And people that don't have a relationship with God have a hard time understanding how different it is to have a relationship with God. And that's our job to communicate how wonderful it is to have that relationship with God, to have a fresh start in life. No matter how bad your past has been, coming to Jesus Christ gives you a fresh start in life. Everyone needs and desires that life in their heart of hearts. Even though they may not seem like it, deep down they do. And so God offers forgiveness. It's a wonderful benefit of following Jesus. Secondly, God offers to be our friend. And these are all interrelated, of course. John 1.12 says, Yet to all who received him, speaking of Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Now, we're going to talk more in our second point about how someone actually becomes a disciple of Jesus. But we see here it involves receiving Jesus and believing in him. And the benefit as we become children of God. God is our father and Jesus becomes our friend. Now, what benefit is it to have God as your friend? You ever heard the expression, I have a friend in a high place? What is the highest place you could have a friend? Heaven. And so, Jesus is our friend. He's in the highest of places. He has all authority in heaven and earth, it tells us in Matthew 28. There's no one higher than God. And Jesus has promised to never leave you or forsake you. If you have a friend in this life, what are the odds they're going to leave or forsake you sometime? It's pretty high. But Jesus promised he'd never leave us. He'd never forsake us. He's always there for you, no matter what you're going through. And Jesus has promised to help you with any difficulty that you're going through in life. He has promised to provide for every need you have as you follow him. I mean, the promises that Jesus gave are absolutely incredible. You ever dreamed of having a millionaire friend or perhaps today, you know, winning Powerball or something like that. And you'd never, never have to worry about anything anymore. If you had this millionaire, billionaire friend, you wouldn't have to worry. Well, God is a friend like no millionaire or billionaire could ever be. He's a friend like no other friend. His friendship is worth more than all the money in the world. Do you think millionaires and billionaires have any problems in this life? Do they die like everybody else? Do they get sick and die before their time sometimes? It is, money is not the answer. Jesus is the answer. When you're discouraged, Jesus will be your friend. He'll encourage you. When you need healing, he'll bring his healing touch. When you need resources, he will be your supply. And we could go on and on. He's your friend. He wants to help you. He has 
all the resources in the universe at his disposal. It says in the Bible, he commands his angels to help us. Incredible help. God offering to be our friend. And as a disciple of Jesus, you become part of God's family as his child and his forever friend. Thirdly, so God offers, first of all, forgiveness. Secondly, to be our friend. Thirdly, he offers to lead us to follow him. John 15, 14, Jesus says, You are my friends if you do what I command. You are my friends if you do what I command. And so in this verse, Jesus is talking to his disciples about being his friends. He makes it clear that in order to be a friend of Jesus, you must do what he commands. So is everybody a friend of Jesus? No, everybody doesn't do what he commands. Okay, so if you do what he commands, you're his friend. And so some might ask, well, what is it a benefit to me to follow what somebody's commanding me to do? You know, I just want to do my own thing. Why should I follow somebody else? Well, first of all, uh, you, you can't be a follower of Jesus without following Jesus. Okay? Now, that seems pretty obvious, right? But it's not obvious to a lot of people. When you say you're a Christian, you're saying, I'm a follower of Jesus. But you can't be a follower of Jesus without following him, without doing what he commands, without being his friend. Those are all uh, synonymous words. And so to follow Jesus is to obey his commands and to go where he leads, to follow his direction in life, to follow his guidance. The benefit of Jesus' direction is that he knows best what you should be doing with your life. He has a plan for your life that was conceived in the mind of God before you were born. It's a perfect plan. Has every step laid out for you to live a life pleasing to God, a life that's fulfilling, a life that maximizes the potential that God created you with. You could not come up with a plan better than God's plan. People try all the time. And their plans are far inferior to the plan that God has for their life. And the benefit of Jesus' direction is that he wants to lead you every step of the way. Now, people want to have crystal balls and all kinds of things to lead them. The God of the universe who created you the God of the universe who has a plan for your life wants you to know that plan. He wants to give you direction. When you don't know what to do, when you don't have a, a clue what decision to make, God wants to give you the wisdom to make the very best decision you could make. That's a wonderful benefit of following Jesus. The Bible tells us in James, if you lack wisdom, ask. And God will give you the wisdom you need. A wonderful benefit. And so we've talked about three main benefits of following Jesus. Forgiveness, uh, being his friend, and following his guidance or direction in life. Now, how can we communicate these benefits with other people in our lives? People we know, people who aren't believers at all or who aren't following Jesus very closely. How many have learned if you tell people what to do, sometimes you face resistance? You should do this. You shouldn't do that. How do people receive that? Not, not too good. It doesn't work too well. The easiest and best way is to share how these benefits are working in your life. If you're a believer here this morning, then each of these benefits should be working in your life. If they're not, then we have some other things to deal with. Number one, how has God forgiven you in the past? If you're a Christian, God has forgiven you. How is God forgiving you currently? Do you 
once you became a Christian, did you ever sin again? Okay. A few of us have. Now, and so we should be experiencing God's forgiveness on a daily basis, should we not? Does that have some benefit when you say, God, I blew it, please forgive me? Does it have some benefit? Yeah, it does. It says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He, he forgives us and he cleanses us, makes us feel, gives us a fresh start. Every time we confess a sin, God gives us a fresh start in life. You can actually share with people that you messed up. Instead of trying to be the perfect Christian, that, you know, I sinned. I, I messed up and I prayed and God forgave me. And it was wonderful. And he's going to help me not do that again. Does that put pressure on the other person? No. You're just telling what happened in your life. Secondly, how has God answered your prayers? If you're a believer and you need help in life, what are you supposed to do? What are we doing? We ask God for help. And what does he do? He answers our prayers. He helps us. We should have examples every week of God helping us, answering our prayers. We can share those with those around us. And what does the other person think? Hmm. The first time he goes, oh, that was just a coincidence. That would have happened anyhow. And then the next time, oh, that's interesting. And then the next time, all of a sudden, you know, this guy's got something going for him. God is answering his prayers. I wonder if God would do that for me. So you get people thinking. Number three, how has God given you direction and guidance in your life? Have you had decisions to make and you didn't know which way to turn? You asked God. He gave you direction. You went that direction and things worked out. That should be happening for each of us. Those are things that you can share with your friend or your relative or your neighbor or your workmate, whoever it may be that God has laid on your heart. And when you share something with a friend like that, that's something you could share here on Sunday mornings, a plus one story, to give other people an example of sharing something, how they can do it, and encouraging one another. So sharing what God is doing in your life. The second way to communicate these benefits is a little, a little bit more aggressive, not too much, is to offer to pray when a friend has an issue in their life. And I've learned that rarely do people refuse an offer for someone to pray for them. It's very rare. It's commonly accepted. If they have a need in their life, offer to pray for it. A person comes in and says, oh, you know, my car's broke down and whatever else is going wrong. Instead of trying to top that story, um, <laughs> this is what we try to do usually. You know, it's like, well, you don't know what my kids did this morning. Don't do that, Okay. Say, oh, I'm sorry. Let, can I pray for you that God would help you with this broke down car? Whatever it may be. Well, that does all kinds of things. It opens the door. It tells them you're a Christian. It tells them you believe in prayer. And when God answers the prayer, which he loves to do for people who aren't Christians, they're going to see that God is alive, that God is active. If they need direction or guidance, they have a decision to make and they don't know what to do. You can pray for an unbeliever that God would guide them, that God would work in their life, that he'd show himself real to them. And as you share stories of God working in your life, as you pray for your friend about their issues, 
they will naturally become more receptive to learning about becoming a follower of Jesus Christ. There's a little tool I want to introduce to you today. It's in your bulletin. I'd like you to pull it out right now. It's called Your Spiritual Journey. And Jim, Jim Hall actually uh, introduced this to me. It's not something that he, uh, he wrote, but he's found it very, very useful. And I, to be honest, I just, we just got these, and I haven't used it yet, but I can see it could be an incredible tool to use at certain points in talking to other people about Jesus. And so as you begin to get to know somebody a little more deeply and, and uh, begin to talk about spiritual issues, this pamphlet will help you discover where they are at in their spiritual journey. If you open it up uh, to the middle part of the trifold, it says searching and following with a cross in the middle. There are seven stages of spiritual growth. And every person that you meet, including yourself, is going to be at one of these stages. Beginning on the very left is a person, as you can tell from the picture, they're not interested. Hey, do you know anybody like that? Not interested, don't want to hear about it, keep it to yourself. Uh, that's way on the left, they are, as you see on the bottom, they are resisting, a resistant person. Okay, then you go on to the next stage, somebody who is curiously searching. They have some questions. You know, they'll talk with you they have questions they don't understand, uh, and they, they really have some negative ideas about Christianity, but they will talk with you. The next stage is people who are really beginning to respond, asking more questions, are really curious about what the Bible says and what a relationship with Jesus would be. And finally, at the cross in the middle is where a person makes a commitment to Jesus Christ, and they give their life to Jesus Christ. But that's not the end of the story, is it? There's three more stages to the right as somebody begins to grow in their Christian life and their life itself begins to change as they follow Jesus, as they put off the old things they used to do and take on the new practices of being a follower of Jesus. And then as they begin to grow in a church and small group community and finally as they begin to uh, reach out to others, to reproduce, to make new disciples themselves. And so I'd encourage you, take a look at this. Find out where you're at on it, because I can assure you, not everyone in the church is on the far right. Okay, that's what we would like. Not everyone is there. Be honest with yourself. Find out where you're at on here. And then there's some questions on the back. You know, where would you like to be? How are you going to move towards that? But this can really uh, open up discussions with people about where they, where they are at in their spiritual journey. It's not just as simple as believer, not believer. There's a whole continuum of where people are at, and you can see and learn how to pray for people when you can discover where they're at. Now, you can actually, if you know somebody pretty well, you probably can, and you've had some discussions with them, you can probably put them into a stage. And that will be helpful for you in your own mind without necessarily telling them. In your own mind, that will be helpful for you as you pray for people. So I encourage you to uh, use this tool and uh, we can learn from each other how, how best to use it as we share the Word of God with people and help people in their spiritual journeys. So we've talked this morning about the benefits of following Jesus, how to communicate those benefits with people who are not yet believers. Now let's uh, quickly go through the actual steps in 
following Jesus, how to begin to follow Jesus. Paul wrote in Colossians 4, 3, and 4, Pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in change. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. And so God wants each of us as believers to be able to clearly lead another person to begin to follow Jesus. We need to make it clear. We can't use all kinds of even biblical language, you know, redemption, propitiation, atonement, and things like that. People go, what? I don't know what you're talking about. We need to make it clear. Uh, We need to speak in language that people can understand. Now, the process that we talk about here at Life Church is very simple. It's certainly not unique to Life Church. Uh, many churches do this. We go through it every Sunday. We're going to go through it here in a little more detail than we do every Sunday. But where a, when a person is at a point that they desire to become a follower of Jesus or they want to know how one would go about that, if you're a believer, you should be able to explain this to them. Uh, number one, and this is basically our ABCs we're going to go through again. Uh, number one, ask for forgiveness from Jesus. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everyone has sinned. There are no exceptions. I have yet to meet a person who claimed they never sinned. Uh, and usually if somebody would think that, you can, you can help them along. To, or their wife can help, them, help you along. Or their children. So everybody needs forgiveness. Everybody has fallen short of the plan that God has for their lives. God has a wonderful plan and everybody's messed that plan up. They've done wrong things. We've gone off path. And so a person needs to admit that I've sinned. I've messed things up. I need God's forgiveness. They ask for God's forgiveness through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Uh, Secondly, believe and receive Jesus as your friend. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. In Christ Jesus our Lord. And so the end result of sin that is not forgiven is eternal death. Eternal punishment in a place called hell. But God offers this gift of eternal life to everyone on the face of the planet. But that gift must be received in order for us to experience the benefits. And we receive that gift by putting our faith and trust in Jesus as our Lord. You must believe, as we'll see in the next verse, that Jesus died for your sins... He rose from the dead, and he's alive today. And by accepting him, you become his friend. You become a child of God. And so you admit you've sinned, you believe in Jesus Christ, and finally you commit to following Jesus as your leader. Romans 10, 9, and 10, and these three verses in Romans are commonly called the Romans Road to Salvation. Uh, These are verses that you can use to uh, explain what the Bible teaches. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. And so you must believe in your heart. We've already discussed that. And then you must confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Now what does that mean? Well, to confess that Jesus is Lord means that I'm going to follow him. I'm going to do what he commands. I'm going to make him the leader in my life. You're making a commitment that you're going to ask for and receive his direction in every decision. You're giving up the reins of your life to Jesus. You're laying your plans aside and saying, I want to follow God's plan. I want to follow Jesus' plan for my life. And so it's not complicated to become a disciple of Jesus. 
Uh, the person you're talking to must simply pray. You can help them in the prayer and do these three things. These three steps are essential for salvation. Yeah, I've talked to many people who consider themselves Christians but don't understand these three things. They're deceived. You have to understand these three things in order to be saved. You know, people like, I looked at the sky and I had a sense God was with me. Not saved, okay? He's not saved. You can, Jesus is the only way you can be saved. You know, people have all kinds of crazy experiences in, with, quote, God. Now, maybe God was revealing something, but you're not saved until you admit you've sinned, you believe in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only way. It's not believing in God. It's not believing in Allah. It's believing in Jesus Christ and committing to follow him as your leader. You don't become a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ, by simply believing God exists. You don't become a Christian by being a better person than the person next to you. You don't become a Christian by having your parents baptize you as an infant. You become a Christian these ways, by following the steps in God's word. And so you can have a person who will pray with you if you explain that to them, or you can invite them to church every Sunday. We'll do it again this Sunday. We go through these three steps. And uh, not in this much detail, but we give an opportunity. Now, when someone makes a decision for Jesus Christ, it's important that we follow up, that you follow up. If you've been with that person, if you invited them to church, you are part of God's plan to help them to grow as a new believer. And uh, we have a new booklet that we're beginning to use for first-time people who commit their lives to the Lord in recommitment. It's called Startup Studies. It's, I think it's, is that over there? Yes, I think it's on that table over there. I think it is. It should be. If it's not, we'll get it there. It's over there. And uh, it has four studies that you can go through with your friend or if you are uh, here by yourself that you can go through yourself. We make it available now. It's very good showing God's word of your, uh, what you've done and the biblical, biblical understanding of it and how to begin to grow in your relationship with God. And so the benefits of being a disciple of Jesus are incredible. Your sins are forgiven, which also implies an eternal destiny in heaven. You become a friend of Jesus who helps you each and every day. And you follow Jesus as your leader, as your Lord. He guides you each and every decision you make in life. If you're a believer today, God has given you the best gift he could possibly give you, the gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. And if you follow Jesus' commands as he commands you to do in the Great Commission, then you're going to be used by God to offer that gift to other people so they can experience the same blessings that you do. Being a witness for Jesus, I believe, is the primary reason that we are still here on this earth. Let me say that again. Being a witness for Jesus, I believe, is the primary reason that we are still here on this earth. The Bible says Jesus is waiting in heaven. He hasn't come yet because there's still people here that haven't been saved. When everybody's saved that he's planned... He's going to come again. And so we can be part of actually hastening the return of the Lord by being a witness for Jesus. And so let's believe God for greater things. Stretch, let him stretch us as God uses each of us to make more disciples for Jesus in 2016. So this morning, if you're not sure that you're a believer, 
If you'd like to become a believer in Jesus Christ, or you'd like to recommit your life, perhaps you made a decision in the past, but you know you've kind of wandered off track with God. You've been following your own plans. I'd encourage you to pray uh, this prayer with me. And I'm not going to go over it. We're just going to pray it because we just went over it, uh, the ABC. So let's bow our heads and I'm going to pray. And I encourage you, just pray along with me in your mind if you want to make this commitment or recommitment. Father, today I admit that I've sinned. I've been following my own plan for my life. Please forgive me. I believe that Jesus came to this earth, died on the cross, took the punishment for my sins that I might be forgiven. I believe in him. I put my trust in him. I believe he rose from the dead and is alive today. I commit my life to following Jesus as my Lord and Savior, doing what he tells me to do in all of my life. In Jesus' name. And for those of us who are believers, let's pray as well. Father, we thank you for saving each person here today who is a disciple of Jesus. Forgive us, God, for making reaching out to others such a low priority in our lives. Help us to do greater things in 2016 with respect to outreach than we did in 2015. Help us to work together with you in your harvest field. Guide us, God, as we reach out to our friends, to our relatives, to our neighbors, to our workmates. Show us how to share what Jesus is doing in our lives so that others will see the awesome benefits of being a follower of Jesus. Give us the courage, God, to tell boldly and plainly others about Jesus. I pray that you'd enable each person here to fulfill this plus one challenge for this year. May we not forget about it. May we pray about it and work towards it each and every day. And we thank you, God, for the exciting adventure of being a witness for Jesus Christ and participating in the growth of your eternal kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you made a commitment or recommitment of your life today, I'd like you to Check a box on the back of your Connect card and place it in the offering 